What's up? Welcome back to Project Freelance. Got another episode for you guys. Thanks to my friend Graham Sheldon, who I actually had on the podcast a little while ago. He created some content over in Chernobyl a couple years back, and uh, he's a filmmaker. He's a cinematographer. He is a teacher, an educator. Uh, I met him through the amazing people over at Sigma Lenses when I did content for them pre-COVID days. Uh, I used to film content for Sigma before I moved out to Nashville, and uh, hopefully I get to do some more work with them in the near future. I would love to get more involved with the Sigma family. But this episode, I am speaking with an actor, a producer, a director, speaking to two people this week. This week, we are speaking to America Young and Gonzalo Martin. Uh, Very, very excited to speak with them about how they got into freelancing, both in the film side and the acting side, voice acting, video games, all kinds of different stuff. And we are talking about their film that is coming out called Back to Lila. I will put a link to the trailer down below if you guys want to check it out. Super cool film that they're making. It's a rom-com mixed with like Alice in Wonderland vibes. Going to be super cool. It comes out June 28th. As of the recording of this, we don't know where it's going to be distributed, but it will be on streaming platform. We just don't know which one. So be on the lookout for that. I will update the show notes if you guys are interested in checking the film out as soon as I get a link to that film. So yeah, definitely uh, stay in touch with me on this uh, episode and come back and check out where you can watch the film if you guys are interested. Before we get into this episode of Project Freelance, just a couple things real quick. If you're listening to this... uh, the week of June 1st, uh, first of all, my birthday is on the 5th, so happy birthday to me. It is Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Super stoked about that. Well, it's actually like Pride season, if you will. Pride kind of goes from June 1st to like the end of July, really. So it, it kind of like makes its way across the United States, but it is Pride season. So happy Pride to everybody out there that is uh, in the community. Love you guys. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I do need to thank our partner on this podcast, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, hey, get ready to murder your thirst uh, with a nice cold can of water. If you're tired of using plastic water bottles and uh, destroying the planet, there's a better way. There is canned water from Liquid Death. If you want to give it a shot, if you are on set and you're tired of wasting plastic water bottles... If you're looking for a better way, if you're a bartender, a bar owner, and you're looking for a better way, check out liquiddeath.com. Use code just the letter K for 10% off your order. You could literally order 50 cases of water and get 10% off your order with my code just the letter K. Just do it. It's better for the planet. They give part of their proceeds back to cleaning the ocean, which is awesome. So thank you to Liquid Death for partnering with me on all the things that I do. Thank you for supplying water to my band Matriarchs whenever we go on tour here in America. Super stoked for that partnership. Uh, The second thing I need to let you know about is that I have a new book out called How to Explore Abandoned Buildings. You see, when I'm not freelancing or making music, I'm actually exploring abandoned places. So I made a guidebook called How to Explore Abandoned Buildings. It's super cool. I teamed up with a digital artist out of Portugal named Mr. Sketch. He's known as Cursed Sketchbook on Instagram if you want to check out his stuff. But he actually illustrates over top of images of abandoned places. So we teamed up to create this awesome book together. Super happy about it. And it turned out amazingly. I have 50 copies at my house that are ready to be signed and sent to you. It will also be available in places like Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, you know, different uh, brick and mortar bookstores. So if you are 
you know out and about and you happen to hear this podcast and you're like hey i want to check this book out and don't want to order it online you can actually order it in stores starting this july uh, otherwise if you do want to sign copy right now i am signing them and sending them out all over the world uh, i ship internationally i ship domestically wherever you are i will send you a book and a signed photo print as a way of saying thank you for supporting me Lastly, I just want to say thank you for listening to Project Freelance. If you guys like this show, if you like this episode, let people know there's a way to do that. You can leave a rating and feedback on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a rating on Spotify. Wherever you're listening to this, there's probably a rating system. And that actually helps the podcast find a broader audience. It helps us find more people. It helps us find more guests. So if you guys could leave a rating and feedback please do that. It helps the podcast grow. It helps uh, um, other freelancers like yourself find this show. So thank you for listening. Without further ado, I'm just going to roll into this conversation that we had because we kind of started it on music and then we went into the actual episode. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce America and Gonzalo to you guys. Welcome to Project Freelance. Hey, my name is America Young and I am a freelance director for film and television and video games. And I am Gonzalo Martin, and uh, I'm a freelancer. I don't, I don't know in what capacity I would say specifically, just because, like every other freelancer out there, we kind of pretty much do everything and anything that is out there to grab. We wear many hats. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So uh, let's start with America. So tell me how you first got into freelancing, and like, what made you want to go down the path that you're on. Well, I started off not freelancing. I started off, I actually applied to med school and got accepted, which is like not a freelance job as a rule. Um, you're usually pretty contracted with those things. Um, and then I decided that I, I really wanted to tell stories for a living instead. And I decided not to go. I, I delayed my acceptance to med school and I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, and I think the minute you make the decision that you're going to be a storyteller, whether it's through music or whether it's going to be through film, television, theater, um, you're automatically take you're automatically accepting the free mantle or the freelancer mantle um because i i it's really hard to find a regular job as a as a professional storyteller for whatever reason and i don't know if that goes back to like the days of the bards who would travel around and tell their stories um but uh so it wasn't necessarily a, a conscious thought although the one thing that did excite me was the idea of not having the same job every single day that it did excite me to um, always be meeting new people and never knowing what's what to expect. Um, and I, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid, so maybe that goes hand in hand in terms of just like what I got used to and what I loved. I loved going to new places and meeting new people constantly. Um, but the, yeah, I don't know if that was a conscious decision to do freelance, but it was a conscious decision to be a storyteller, which I think does go hand in hand. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. So I grew up traveling a lot. Uh, I lived overseas yeah. when I was 16, grew up in the Middle East, lived in Australia for a bit. And I think that uh, the innate nature of us wanting to tell stories, I think we definitely relate on that. Uh, I mean, I'm like a, a documentary filmmaker and loves telling stories and people always ask me why. And I'm like, well, everyone's got a story. You know, there's eight, yeah. 8 billion stories out in the world that need to be told. And I, if I can tell like a yes. fraction of them, like I feel like I'm doing, fulfilling my purpose on the earth. 
Absolutely. And I, I also have found that like a story is the quickest way between two mm-hmm. people who are strangers, right? Like you ask somebody, hey, where'd you get your ring? And then the story they tell you about the reason why they chose to wear that ring and where they got it, even if it's just, oh, I was just in the mall and I liked it. I thought it was cool. Like whatever that is, is the quickest way to, 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 to make a new friend. Absolutely. And, and so it's the small stories and it's the big stories and it, the stories, you know, for documentaries or the stories for like an epic blockbuster mm. or the stories just for conversation. There's such power in them. Um, it's the quickest way to empathy. So, uh, yeah, you, you get it. Totally you get, get it. it. And Gonzalo for you, like, how did you get into the freelancing world? What did you start out doing? What did you like? What did you want to be as a kid and how'd you get to where you are now? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. It's fascinating to me because I was hearing both of your answers and I find it quite, you know, interesting that we, uh, as freelancers, all three of us, we, we share so many things in common as creatives and storytellers. Like I was listening to your stories and we all kind of share a similar story. I also kind of grew up all over, you know, moving and traveling. And uh, as a kid, I, you know, had many different passions. My main one, I was supposed to um, go to Florida and study aeronautical science. But on my final like performance in the school drama play, that's when I realized that I was a storyteller and, that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, but again, you know, like similar to America, I I was in love with, with, with the other thing that I was passionate about, flying and being a pilot and all that. But it was exciting as a, you know, when I decided to go for the arts, it was a world that I still hadn't explored as much and I didn't know as much, especially coming uh-huh. from Argentina to here. And so it was very, very new to me and um, quite amazing in so many different ways that I didn't expect, uh, yet very surprising in others, you know, the industry, uh, can be hard. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's just, it's the hustling of the, of the freelancer. Um, so it's the, you know, since I got here, I definitely got to learn by force how to be Mm -hmm. a, a freelancer and a storyteller. Um, that's definitely different from the way that, you know, you probably do it in different countries. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've had people on the show from all over the world that do freelance in, you know, different regions of the world. And even down to like the amount of money you're making is different, you know, like the every little detail is different in different countries. And so it's been fascinating to get to know people uh, like yourselves that have been, you know, world travelers and uh, have been a part of the hustle for some time. You know, I think it's a, such a fascinating thing to get to know people through a medium like podcasts because uh, you get to know the people behind the scenes. Like, for example, you guys have a film coming out and I would love to dive into that film and talk a little bit about it. Um, but before that, how did you guys uh, get into filmmaking? Like, how did you get into, how did you guys get to know each other, first of all? Well, can I ask you a question, Kate, real quick? Because I can't wait to answer that question. But um, do you find that in different countries, the freelancing position is treated with different levels of respect? I've gotten to know a couple people. Like, for example, I've spoken to like a a couple different graphic designers and uh, NFT artists, actually. Uh, So I recently had a guy on from Russia um, and they're definitely treated a little bit differently there um, as freelancing goes. You know, like they're they're not seen as like... um, cockroaches yeah well okay so i'll put it i'll put it this way before before covid um my dad always said like when are you gonna get a real job up until like a couple years ago right Right. and then when covid hit and like 
I thrived as a freelancer. I'm sure you guys can say the same during, yeah. during that time, freelancers adapted faster than anybody else. And we mm. put our heads down and we grinded because we had to, we had to keep making money because we had to keep paying rent. We had to keep and doing also things. We're so much more adaptable because we're, we're used so to having to adapt adaptable. on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of us were already working from home. So True. that question of like, Oh, when are you going to get a real job kind of went out the window when everyone yeah. started working from home and started technically becoming freelancers themselves fascinating yeah I didn't even think about that that's fascinating so i feel like people in other countries outside of america they still have that and maybe it's changed after covid but the person i talked to was like during covid and when he was like definitely making less money than you would make here you know as a yeah. freelancer yeah. um but i don't know if it's changed but i feel like they still have the mentality of when are you going to get a real job right in other countries, which which um, is so interesting because like so much of this industry or so much of our 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 American culture and there's an eye roll when I say that um, <laughs> is is um, the American dream and like going out and hustle and like building your own thing. So so much about what the freelancer is is that directly, but yeah. then the other part of it is get a real job, right? Exactly. Yeah. But like for, for the longest time, I've always referred to us as cockroaches, not insultingly. But like as a compliment, because like we're resilient, we're resilient yeah. and a nuclear holocaust or a pandemic can't stop us. If anything, yeah. it supercharges us. Right. And makes yeah. us mutant cockroaches. <laughs> so so I, I think there's something so incredible about what we do because it's a day to day hustle, the constant rejection. We're going on a million job interviews mm-hmm. every single week. Right. And getting rejected from a lot of them. Yeah. And then and then the way that we we constantly are pivoting and constantly negotiating the day-to-day life, um, I think is pretty incredible. Uh, but unless you're doing it, it just, it seems like get a real job. It seems like you're slacking because then people don't get it. Right. People think we're just messing around all day, yeah. like just yeah. tinkering on our computers, but no, we're looking for leads. We're hunting jobs. We're applying for acting gigs We're we're doing all the things. And, uh, Gonzalo, can you talk a little bit about your like acting career and how that took off for you and, and blossomed after your, you know, your high school, uh, play and that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Um, so after graduating, like I said, I realized, well, actually I didn't realize it was my whole family, uh, who came to see me on the play who after it, they were just, they, they literally all said, stop fucking around with airplanes and do this for a living. And after the, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, at first I thought it was a joke, but then uh, after my relative number 40th said it, uh, something clicked in my brain and, you know, I couldn't sleep all weekend. And then I was like, why don't I do this for a living? Uh, that's when, when I started considering it. And luckily my family was very supportive. And, you know, when I made the switch, um, so I came out from Argentina to L.A. to study acting. I studied in New York Film Academy. And uh, after graduating, which I loved my school, it was an excellent experience for me. I uh, was very fortunate to, uh, you know, get a get a manager pretty quick and start booking right away, um, which that just allowed me um, on my first couple of years of acting um, to gain enough credits to do all the different type of visas that you're supposed to get as a mm. foreign foreign artist here in order to stay in this beautiful country. Um, so it was definitely a lot of hard work, a lot of it. Uh, but luckily, you know, from role to role, um, everything, you know, started leading one role led to the other. And it eventually culminated in me landing um, a role in a video game called Life is Strange 2, for which I won a BAFTA wow. Game Award. 
And with that, I was able to apply for my green card. And so now I'm finally here as an artist, able to stay in this amazing country. But the cool thing that I've learned through this journey is that, you know, I'm not just an artist. I'm not just an actor, but I am a freelancer and I'm a producer. And then I've discovered how much I've liked this uh, freelancing hustle of you having to constantly create opportunities for yourself and make the next move in order to like really prove that you want to stay here, you know? So that whole journey of having to prove my worth and wanting to stay here has allowed me to discover different passions that I never would have considered like producing or like, you know, freelancing different jobs and different projects. So right now I, I don't do acting anymore. I, I, I don't just do acting anymore. Uh, I am now, you know, and with my hand in many, many pies, uh, all of them related to freelancing. But yeah, I've discovered that not only do I like to act, but I love to produce. I love to create projects, put projects together, put, you know, build teams to make a project a reality, which is at the end of the day, that's pr pretty much what freelancing is about. Um, and that's what I've discovered. Yeah, and so okay, as as the lead in Life is Strange, Sean Diaz, like what was that like to take Whoa, on such a role? How do you know my role? character's name? Dude, listen, <laughs> dude, like, <laughs> I love I don't have time for video games, but like when I play a video game, I'm like fully invested in the game, okay? So, so you play the game? Yeah, dude, it's it's you know, it's so fun and it's like episodic for people that don't know. It's like uh it, it's split up in what like five five episodes? Yes. Oh yeah so God, it, it's like a, an episodic game and you know if people haven't checked it out like definitely go check out life is strange too uh it did win the bafta award for lead role like congratulations on that but Thank what you. was it like to get out of like uh physical acting and do uh like a voiceover project oh it was crazy it was crazy especially because i did not expect it at all when i was in school um in acting school and we were doing voiceover training um i was never really the best at like creating new voices or anything like that uh also with like the language barrier i would also always have some sort of accent or just small stuff that would make the teacher not really believe in me let's say and so mm -hmm. i wouldn't get as much time in the booth and uh you know that kind of disencouraged me so i was like okay maybe voice acting is just not for me and i'll be a you know a, a camera actor but uh mm -hmm. when i when i booked this this voiceover gig which was my first voiceover gig ever i literally was at the at the studio in front of the director and the producer and i think it was like my first day in after i got casted and i was like are you sure you guys want me because like <laughs> this doesn't seem this doesn't seem normal to me like i i was this terrible student in voiceover class the teacher didn't even give me like time in the booth like are you guys sure you want me and they're like yeah 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 no we want you we love you for like the youthfulness of your voice and that's when i discovered and learned that like oh it's not all about you know making a like weird fun voices or like you mm -hmm. know it can be about just the acting and like the you know the, the 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 core and soul behind the acting it doesn't have to be you know just oh a fun voice that like it's nice to hear you know and when yeah. i realized that voiceover acting was more re like even more related to acting than like camera acting is like more related probably is not the right word like maybe harder yeah, more intense. Yeah, more intense because you're in mm -hmm. a room with nothing to work off of except like <laughs> right. 
a tennis ball or not even that. I only had the mic. And yet you're, you know, you have to pretend like you have all these people around you and all these things are happening to you. My, my voiceover director, he put it in a great way. It's, it's easy to be Batman when you're wearing the Batman suit and you have the mm. Batmobile right next to you. And Michael Caine is talking to you, giving you your lines. It's 10 times harder to be Batman where you don't have anything on you and all you're working off of is a mic, you know, and you have to recreate to the audience that you're Batman and you're in this, in this situation that you're about to, you know, go solve, you know, solve the uh, crime. You know what I mean? So definitely yeah. it was quite amazing to realize that it's a, it's a form of acting that I had very little training on and it requires so much more training than, no than normal acting. So it really pushed me. It was an amazing challenge for me because again, first voiceover gig and the, um, the director, he had won BAFTA's award uh, for, for his work already. So he would, you know, he had his own bar set pretty high. So he was very, very demanding. And, uh, you know, at first it was kind of a rough relationship because we didn't understand each other. Until uh, I finally uh, did a thing that he recommended. I, I went and slept on the streets based on a little recommendation of his. And finally, after doing that is when I like gained his respect. And I also started respecting him more because I understood where he was coming from, the directions that mm. he was well, giving you me. Slept on, you slept on the streets to prepare for the role, Sean? I, I did. I did for a, a weekend. And uh, it oh, wow. was the worst weekend ever because I chose the weekend. I, I chose a weekend in February in LA, which is the oh. one month in the entire year where it like pours down rain. And uh, yeah, I was soaked, so cold. It was it was quite a quite an experience that I learned a lot from. Honestly, like one of, probably one of the best experiences uh, of my life that I learned uh, from. And after, and the crazy part is. The next day after sleeping on the street, I go back into the studio. The director, you know, we, we were having this terrible relationship because, you know, we, we didn't understand each other and we were working really slowly. I was, you know, not getting the takes as fast as we needed them to. And after sleeping on the street, I just go in and he's like, all right, let's see if we can get anything good in this recording. And I just started, what? you know, go, yeah, yeah, no, he was, he was kind of a prick, but uh, mm -hmm. long story short, we start going for the takes and I start giving him like all keepers on, on the one takers and wow. he stops the recording. He's like, what did you do? And I, I said, what, what do you mean? He's like, you usually suck at this. We're here. Like, <laughs> you know, we take around seven to eight takes for like each line. And now you're giving me all like one takers, all keepers. What did you do? And that's when I told him, like, well, I took your advice. I went to the street. And he didn't believe me for a, for a while until he finally realized that I wasn't lying. And I felt like that was the day that I, like, got his respect. And also that day is when I realized when we were when I was finally getting all these keeper takes on one take, that's when I realized the difference in my work. I was like, oh, this is what he was talking about. This is the one take performances that like are really good. Not the shit that I was doing before. I really needed to go to the street and sleep and learn from this in order to actually do my best work. I know that going method isn't something that everybody uh, approves of and, you know, likes or enjoy, but it was, it was life-changing for me and it uh, definitely helped me a lot on my role, uh, which ended up, you know, giving me the BAFTA. So I'm incredibly grateful and proud for it. And I'd do it again any day. Wow. You know, okay. So 
as a documentary filmmaker, like I wish I had been there to film you sleeping on the yeah. streets, getting into this role. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, why did, was nobody filming this? <laughs> <laughs> Especially for the behind the scenes of the game, because yeah. it's like, oh, this this is incredible. This is a committed performer. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I mean, I think method is fine. I mean, method. There's a bunch of different definitions of method um but as long as it doesn't mean hurting someone else mm. while you're shooting because you can't break character right. i think method is is really interesting if there's experience you've never had you know mm. yeah i Absolutely. just want to say one, one last thing um and like this is how to respect me because i do really do appreciate him i called the director a prick i know that i didn't say say his name but if we can just somehow uh either mute that out or cut it out he's not a prick sure. he we had a that relationship to start up, but even today we uh, we really like each other. We stay in contact. Um, whenever the BAFTAs are going on, I always shoot him a text saying like, "Thank you so much for you know the work that we did together." I loved working with him, and uh, he was a director that definitely taught me so many different things. And if it wasn't for him, like of course it was my work as well that got me there. But I don't think I would have gotten as far as I've gotten and won the BAFTA if it wasn't for his amazing directing. So I didn't mean to call him a prick or anything like that. He exactly <laughs> I got nice. you. I'll, I'll edit that out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for like clarifying and clearing that up. But I, I get what you mean about like working with people that are, uh, you know, not on the same page as you sometimes yeah. and how it can come off for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and people who challenge you to, to push through levels, you know, like at the time it might seem like they're being, um, well, sometimes they are jerks, but sometimes they're just pushing you to go to the next level that they know you're capable of, you know? Right, exactly. And it, it was kind of like that, like to, to finish off the story, he, you know, we would be recording and I would be taking so many, so many takes to get a, a good take. And it was my first voiceover again. And so he would tell me like, we need to go faster or else like we can't, the budget on this production doesn't allow us to like record with you as long as we need to because you're you take so long in getting good takes so like you need to get better and that's when he said like well because i was just sucking he was kind of mean and he said you've uh, you know you, you're probably a golden platter baby everything in your life has been handed to you in a golden platter you you know you've never had to fight for anything you never had to like work yourself for anything i bet you couldn't even like go to the streets one day and hang out with the homeless people without having breakfast one day just so you can see what it's like to be out there so he started talking all this shit where in my head i was like motherfucker you have no idea who i am or what i'm what mm -hmm. i'm willing to do for my work i'm not gonna go only go out there and hang out with the homeless i'm gonna go out there and sleep with them just so i can fucking shut the fuck like shut you up and prove you wrong and so spite was what actually got me to push to that but it was him giving me that spite to push me to that next level exactly yeah and you know sometimes that's what it takes to get you to to do the work or to like you know get into the role or whatever it is you know whatever his methodology was behind that he it, it worked clearly you know yeah. it, it, look at where it got you now and it's it's super sick that uh you actually took the step and in the initiative to actually go do that I, it sure it was out of spite but i mean like <laughs> it like you said it was life-changing you know so yeah. I, I think it's it's great that well, you did that maybe it wasn't spite let's say it's stubbornness it was out sure, of stubbornness sure. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, let's let's talk about this film you guys are putting out together. Um, first of all, how did you two get in contact with each other? How did you guys meet? 
Well, yeah, yeah, sure. This industry, everybody knows everybody. I mean, especially if you've been here for a while. So it was just a mutual friend put us in contact um, with each other, uh, thinking that like knowing the script that he had and knowing that I like the kind of script that was, um, they, we got put in contact and it was, we, I mean, it was just an instant we just respected each other instantly. I remember the first time I met with him, it was um, at a coffee shop and the questions yeah. that he was asking were so open and so honest and so genuinely without ego and just wanted to make the best possible um, movie. And it was, it was interesting because like, you know, he was, he, you were a kid Gonzalo, right? Like how old are you? It was uh, three or three years ago or four. So, so you, were, I, you were really no. a kid. 21, 22. I mean, I would say today, in retrospect, I would say I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, well, like, but but there but there was also he, he's so unbelievably smart. But it's so interesting because you meet you meet you know I, there, I have found that age has nothing to do with who you are as a person. Like you mm. you you will meet eight year olds who have the wisest souls, and then you'll meet sixty year olds that are just immature jerks. And um, I remember meeting him and being amazed at how wise he was, and the lack of ego was what really impressed me because I I mean Gonzalo is an incredibly attractive kid if you look at him like he's so and then when you, and when you first meet him you're like oh this guy's gonna be a jerk right because you meet somebody who's not attractive and you're like they're you're just assumptions you make and this is gonna be a spoiled like the handsome guy who doesn't like you know anyway the, i don't know if you know that gonzalo i don't think i've ever told you that but that was my first perception of you when i looked you up and when i saw you and then he opens his mouth and he starts to talk and his questions are so thoughtful and they're so without ego and they're so genuine and i was i mean i was interested in the project already because the script was wonderful. Um, Memo wrote the, an amazing script. But then when I met him and I knew that he was going to be the lead of it, I was just like, okay, this is this is going to be a good journey. I knew it instantly from meeting him. Yeah. America, you just touched my heart. I didn't know that story. Yeah, I don't think I ever told you that story. It's true, though. It's true. Oh, nice. I love that. So <laughs> tell, me, tell me a little bit more about the film. Um, I watched the trailer. I think it looks incredible. And it's, I feel like it's going to have that sense of uh you know longing romance like a rom-com but it's got yeah. that like touch of comedy in there that everyone i think is gonna love and i can't wait for the film to come out so tell me a little bit more about the film well tell the audience about the film if they haven't seen the trailer yet gonzalo do you want to you want to talk I, about it i want you to talk about it because i i then want to say what's my favorite thing about our film based on okay. one thing that you just said Okay. Okay. Um, so I, it's our, our film is kind of a little bit hard to, uh, describe because there's a lot that's not in the trailer. Um, but mm -hmm. I like to, I like to say it's a little bit like, um, Alice in Wonderland meets eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of unexpected things in, in, the, in the movie. Um, the premise of the film is, um, Mark, who's just been dumped by the love of his life, then finds out that, um, he has a, uh, a medical condition, like a tumor in his brain. Um, which which means that he might be dying soon. And it also means that he's going to have, you know, all these hallucinations and he's going to be um, life is going to be a little weird from him because it's going to affects his it affects his heart and it affects his uh, brain, his uh, eyes and his brain and stuff. So so while he decides to go and get closure from the love of his life with his his four best friends that he hasn't seen in a while, um, he also is, is having all these weird hallucinations as he's going along. And um, the hallucinations are, you know, we, we tried to make them pretty specific to his journey and, 
and representative of what he's going through in his journey. So it makes it, it adds a little bit of a magical bend to it without it, you know, without it being magical. Wow. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it's 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 really beautifully done. What I what I really loved about the script is um, because I, I'm trying to talk about this without doing spoilers, is that um, it's a it overall I think the best romantic comedies are um, or romances is yes when you find the love of your life, but but more importantly when you realize that that is you, and mm-hmm. that you do love yourself and you have the courage to be yourself. Yeah. Um, especially in a time always, I mean, this has always been since the history of man, everyone's been afraid to be who they really are. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways nowadays, um, we're accepting that and there's more and more acceptance of it, of people being who they are and who they want to be in the, in the, in the purest sense of the word, but it, we have so long to go. And what I love about this journey is initially it starts with him looking for answers outside. And ultimately, it ends up with him finding the answers inside and him embracing who he is fully and loving himself for that. Wow. And I, I, that's the most important message I think we could ever learn. That's magical. I, oh, I bummer. You just took to my this. answer. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, no, don't worry about it. I was just going to say something similar to that. My favorite thing about our film is that people may go into it expecting, you know, just another rom-com classic, you know, boy meets girl story. And uh, yeah, sure, it has a little bit of that, like any other movie. But I think what I love about our movie and really makes it stand out out of any other, you know, feel-good movie or uh, feel-good rom-com is that, sure, it is a love story, it's a rom-com, but it's not so much a love story about boy meets girl. It's about love story about boy discovers himself in the process of, you know, trying to get his girl back, you know. But it's more about you know, discovering yourself and, and who you are as a person. And uh, yeah, that's that's definitely what I love most about our film. Uh, it's not only like a love story, but it's a personal love story for everyone. You know, I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate um, to to Mark, our main character, and, and his own personal journey. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds incredible and sounds so exciting as far as like, you know, the, the magical element of it. Like it, it sounds like it's going to be quite a unique film. And uh, where can people watch this when it comes out? When does it come out, first of all? And where can people find it? It comes out on June 28th of this year. The where is still kind of TBD. Um, Maybe hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have links for you you to be able to post below. But um, the the distributor is still uh, negotiating with a bunch of the different platforms. And so um, as far as I know, I don't know which ones have been completely secured. So I don't, I want to say yet, you say yet and then misdirect someone. So sure. um, I'll, we can send you the links, but it'll be on a streaming platform. It won't be in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're really excited for people to see it. Um, we're really proud of it. Yeah, and there's a lot of freelancers who worked on it. So that oh. ties in. Directly. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I love that you guys went with a freelance route, you know, for this and kind of kept it uh, close to your hearts with the world of freelancing. I think that that's important as freelancers that we utilize other freelancers for our projects. And, you know, I do the same, you know, I go through freelancers for the artwork for my band's music. You know, I'm working with somebody right now. I'm actually doing a country goes metal cover record. So 
<laughs> what? Wow. I moved to Nashville and I was like, I need to make some country songs heavier. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Careful, we're working. That can go both ways. They might take your songs and make them go country. Right. Uh, hey, that would be cool. I would love to hear someone take my songs and make them twangy. Yeah, <laughs> man. That sounds great. Oh, wow. So, uh, I want to ask you guys one final question and America will start with you. Uh, What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started as a freelancer? Keep good records. Um, Have a a working knowledge of a good spreadsheet Um, Mm. because when you get to the end of the day and you have a million W-2s and 10,000 1099s coming at you, um, that can be super stressful. But if you are logging them as you get them um, with your gross and your net receipts in your, in your thing, you won't have the most stressful tax season ever because you'll be able to track what everything is and you'll know what you're missing. Um, that, that, that would be the th- big thing. And then as freelance, um, always make sure you're giving the people you're hiring good, good food. All right. So, Gonzalo, for you, uh, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Hmm. I would definitely say, um, as a freelancer, whenever you're going to go work with other people, uh, find out who you're working with, you know, look them up, um, reach out to people. If they've worked with people that, you know, reach out to them, uh, and figure out, you know, how was their working relationship and everything like that. Um, cause it's, uh, you know, in everything, no matter what the industry that you're in could be, uh, filmmaking could be, you know, uh, any other industry. Like I wasn't, I was about to say like, uh, law or whatever, but that's not freelancing. But anyways, any type <laughs> of freelancing community and like, uh, jobs where you're going to be working with other people, you always want to make sure who, who you're working with, you know, get recommendations and, and references that way you, you know, make sure that you have the best experience in your freelancing project because we all know that freelancing to start with is not easy um so if you're gonna go ahead and do it why not do it with a great team instead of one that you know might put you know um sticks in your wheel or i don't know if you have that saying in in here but in argentina we do yeah uh but yeah so just basically that um make sure that you that you figure out who you're going to work with because freelancing on the one hand can be amazing because you can meet um, incredible people. Like I ended up meeting America and, you know, they become family and you want to work with them for the rest of your life. And then there's always the people that you're like, Oh wow, I had a terrible experience. I don't want to work with, you know, that person ever again, because I know better now, you know? So that's Mm -hmm. basically what I learned as a freelancer. I I second that. That's, that's great advice. There's, there's so many times you'll see someone on their resume and they'll be like, Oh, you worked with so-and-so. Oh, you're going to be great. Definitely check with the so-and-so who they worked with. Yeah. Oh my God. Because just because they're on the resume doesn't mean that was a pleasant experience. Um, and, uh, uh, they're they're, Yeah. Anyway, I have a, I have a very specific story I can tell about that, but I think we're running out of time. Always, always, always double check. Um, with people that you know and, and love if this person has worked with them, whether you're going to work with them or for them or hire yeah. them, always double check that. Yep. I third that. I, I agree completely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also have a very specific story I could share. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, dang. I, think I just did a... Do. Yeah, yeah. We, we all deal with that. We all go through the, the rigmarole of having to deal with not so great clients mm-hmm. or not so great freelancers. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. Definitely vet the people you're about to work with yeah. because like 
that will tell you everything you need to know about them for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. and absolutely. I mean, not to not to push your podcast a little bit further, uh, but <laughs> I, I, something interesting that popped into my head just now talking about this subject that I think would be interesting to debate really shortly amongst us three is the idea. You know how they say, "Don't hire your friends." Like as a freelancer, yeah. don't hire your friends. I don't know. There's there's a part of me that, you know, in this movie, um, I did have a couple of friends that, you know, I was like, hey, I want to give you this opportunity. And so I, I did hire them. And I would say with most most of them, if not all of them, I had great experiences. And I'm like, yeah, I loved working with my friend. But I've heard, you know, other stories or, you know, I've had other experiences where I did hire a friend or whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's tricky and difficult because you have a certain expectation of your friend given that you know them and they're your friend and then if they fall short you're kind of like oh well I could have given it to someone that would have wanted it more but I don't know I wanted to bring this up and uh, and talk it a little bit about with both of you guys because me personally I'm also learning as a freelancer and a part of me you know in a future project would hire a friend but I have learned also not to hire friends. So I wanted to hear yeah. from you guys, from your experiences as freelancers, if you would hire a friend in a future you know, project or something like that. What has your experience been? Yeah. I, I, I mean, think it depends on like what that friend is to you. I mean, is that your party correct. friend? Because then maybe that's not your friend that you can rely on to be a professional, maybe. Um, if it's the friend that you have because you have mutual goals and interests and um, professionalism and focus, then yeah, absolutely bring that friend on. Don't hire a shitty friend. That's what I would say. Mm. Hire someone mm. who will be able to be a professional and work really hard. You know, will appreciate it. What were you yeah. going to say, Kay? I was going to say there's this saying that goes, you are the culmination of the five closest people to you. Mm. And I think if you're not surrounding yourself with the five best go-getter people that will push you and help you get to the next level, change those five friends. Yeah. I love Uh, that that so much. And I think that ties into this so well, because I mean, like I just went through an experience with uh, somebody that I had as a friend that I was like, I'll give you a shot at this, you know? And then like, he definitely let me down a lot in the situation and it kind of made the experience for the whole team not great. And so now I know like that friend is not a friend that I need to hire. That's a friend that I need to have as like uh, in a different capacity. Party friend. So I, yeah, essentially, you know, like I think that it depends on the friend and like America said, like what they're doing for you, you know, like what, what they're getting out of it, what you're getting out of it, what you expect from them. Like you said, you know, like you need to set your expectations at the beginning and make sure that friend is uh, capable of meeting those expectations. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. And that five, you were the, what did you say? What about the five? You're the the culmination of the five closest people to you. So if you're not, uh, if you're not elevating, if you're not elevating each other, get five new friends. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was like, I don't remember who said that. I don't remember who came up with it, but it was one of those things that really stuck with me uh, over the years. And I've always tried to surround myself with those five people that are going to push me to the next level and that will grow with me that are mutually trying to help each other. And I think that's important to have that in your team, you know? And um, yeah, so 
Thank you guys so much for coming on Project Freelance. I appreciate you taking the time. If people want to get in touch with you guys, if they want to uh, pick your brain some more, maybe get involved with you in a freelance capacity, uh, first of all, America, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on my website, americayoung.com, or they can find me on any of the social medias at, um, at America underscore young. Um, and I'd also, I don't know when this is going to air, but it is June 1st. So I'd like to say happy Pride Month. Yes, mm. thank you. And Gonzalo, where can people find you? Yes, they can check out my website at gonzalomartin.me. And if not, they want to, if they wanted something more personal, they can uh, find me on Instagram at I'm Gonzalo Martin. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to this episode of Project Freelance with my guests, America and Gonzalo. If you guys want to check out their social media or their websites, I've put links down below in the description for you. If you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok, YouTube, wherever you want. My beacons.ai link is down in the description as well. You can follow all my social media, see where I am in the world. If you're listening to this, I might actually be in Europe on tour with my band Matriarchs right now. So yeah, let me know what you guys thought about the podcast. Uh, subscribe if you're new. If you like the show, please leave a rating and feedback on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can leave ratings now, which is awesome. It helps the podcast grow and it helps other freelancers just like you find us. So thank you for listening to another episode. If you want to come on Project Freelance, you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Project Freelance and we'll get you on the schedule. Stay strong. Keep enduring. I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.